You're listening to the Get Fucking Real Show. Strap in as your host, Lisa Cherney, takes you on a ride full of GFR moments. From powerful messages to exclusive interviews to untold stories of super shitty moments before big successes and even real life confessions. Lisa's been mentoring millionaire entrepreneurs for over 20 years, coaching top coaches and tapping her mighty woo woo side to mentor the best of the best spiritual peeps. It's time to bring on the straight talk from successful, soulful entrepreneurs, inspiring you to live without regrets, to create your legacy, and be unapologetically you. And now, it's time to GFR. Life is too short to be a slave to your own dream, cause I'm working too hard, and I want to feel so alive. I jump out of bed because I love my life. Living on my terms, I know that I will thrive. Being myself, clarity will love rock. So I stand out and be J U I C Y. Hello, hello. Welcome to the GFR show. This is such a fun guest and a unique guest. We have a Grammy nominated award winning opera singer in the house, y'all. I cannot wait for you to meet her. And she is angelic. She is such a delight. We met recently for the first time in January 2023 at the event that I spoke at where I think that's the episode right before this where it's a recording of my talk that I did there. Well, that's where I met Monique and I just have to tell you she gives the best hugs ever. I was going through some stuff around my grief journey with my mom and she just enveloped me. I just wanted to like snuggle up and live there for quite a long time. And you will see, you will want to snuggle up like in the sound of her voice, she just is radiates love. And she is also, in addition to being a opera singer, she is a conscious transformational coach. And she has a knack for making meaningful connections with audiences and helping others to do the same with her unique coaching style. I love her expert title, Magnetic Voice Mentor. And she really does inspire speakers and entrepreneurs to strengthen and elevate their stage presence, their confidence, and as she puts it, the mastery of expression through their human voice. And at the height of her career, she was blindsided by the death of her mom, who was also her voice teacher. And she went through it, y'all. She went through it. Didn't get out of bed for a year, stopped singing. So we are now six years from that, and she is utilizing all of that struggle in this next expression of her professional career. I want you to learn all that there is to learn about this woman and learn from her. And I want you to think about this question. Do you like the sound of your own voice? She was talking about that unique experience that we all have when we hear ourselves and the inner workings of what goes on when we struggle with hearing our own voice. And I wound up making a confession. I wound up sharing something that I have not shared publicly about something that I'm walking through recently. 
And she just brought it out in me. She it was like, it was like what I do for others. <laughs> she just held the space and I decided that I wanted to share. So this is Lisa Cherney confessing. This is Monique McDonald confessing. I mean, this woman has sang for the King of Belgium and the Prince of Monaco, and she's on the GFR show here and is just so willing to share her raw and vulnerable experience and the lessons she learned along the way. And I bet you're going to get a virtual hug just by hearing her voice. Without further ado, Miss Monique McDonald. Monique McDonald, welcome to the GFR show. Thank you. I'm so pleased to be here. I'm so happy to have you here. And it's such divine timing to have you on the show for both of our lives. So we're, I know, I know we're, we're going to get into why that's so magical and synchronistic and all that stuff. So I am so like excited to get to know you. It's not often that I have people on the show where now we met in person. So often I have people on the show that I've never met in person, but I know, you know, pretty right, well. Yeah. So we got to meet at a conference in January and that was great. We got to hug y'all. She is like the best <laughs> hugger ever. Like I just wanted to snuggle up there for like a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and I really needed the hug at the time. And it was just so delightful. So we did get to meet, but we didn't really get to hang out and, right. and get to know each other. So I am excited to sort of like let the story unfold, you know, <laughs> along with our listeners. So Monique is an opera singer. <laughs> I, I've never met an opera singer before. It's a pretty phenomenal talent. Do you like walk around like, you know, like I'm like doing a little like dance here. Like, do you walk around <laughs> just be like, I like, like, do you feel yourself? Do you like, remember like that is your expression that is a, a dominant sort of force within you? Does it, does it feel like that? It sounds like that. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, it's like everything. I think we're in it and we're doing it. And then when we're not doing it, we, we're not thinking about it. We're thinking about whatever it is that we're doing now in this moment. But when I get the opportunity to experience myself in that big, expansive state, which is much more rare these days, it all comes rushing back. And sometimes, for example, I was watching some show on TV and they they happened to be playing the introduction to an aria that was one of my signature arias. And it really caught me by surprise. And I noticed my whole body like sit up and get ready to sing. You know, it's sort of like <laughs> our body remembers. Right. So, yes. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. So take us back to a young Monique. Like, when did this awareness that you might want to do this for like a career or that this was like a significant way you were going to express in the world? When did that occur to you? Well, it's actually a really cool story. My mother was a singer and I was about five or six years old. And this is really probably my first impression of what you're describing. And she was hired to sing here in New York City at Columbia University at the chapel. And normally I wouldn't go because she would have a babysitter, but the babysitter couldn't come. So wow. this was the first time I was going to see my mother be the singer. 
Wow. And it was quite something. And we arrived in this amazing chapel here at Columbia University, and it has a huge dome, as a lot of chapels do. But this was amazing. And I was fascinated by it. And I broke away from whoever was watching me. And I ran up to the top the top balcony and so that I could see the dome closer and my mother started to sing and I looked down at her and it was like my mother had disappeared and it was this creature of light and sound Mm. and something about the acoustics and being so close to the top of the dome this vibration was coming through my little five-year-old body. And I, I really had no idea what was happening to me. And I was truly changed. I was different. And I remember running down and I, I, I pushed, elbowed and pushed past all the well-wishers. And I went to my mother and I said, are you still my mommy? Oh, wow. And she, to her credit, stopped whatever conversation she was in and just took me in her arms and said, yes, I'm your mommy and I will always be your mommy. And she didn't know what had happened, obviously. And we didn't discuss it until I was much older, but that is my first memory of the power of the human voice Mm. and what happens to us when our voice is aligned to our passion and presence. And truthfully, because my mother was such an amazing singer, and I think because of that experience, I went through the first part of my life trying to do anything other than being a singer. (laughs) Oh, interesting. (laughs) Yes. I want to be like her. Well, yes, because to my ear, my voice was not nearly as exciting, fascinating, amazing as her ear, which is a sort of interesting phenomenon of singers that I, I think that a lot of singers and even speakers don't realize. Because if you think about it, our mouth is in front of our ears. Oh, I've never thought about that. Right? Most people wouldn't, right? Why would you think about that? Our voice is projecting out into the world. And so we are not hearing it the way that others hear it. And to our own ears, a lot of the time, our voice sounds small. This is so interesting, Monique. So (laughs) I'm laughing, y'all. And you're going to know about what I'm laughing about in just a moment here. Every single freaking guest I have. It's for me. It's totally for me. And that, <laughs> and sometimes it's really obvious and sometimes it's not obvious at all. So, so I'm going to share something publicly for the first time that I have not shared publicly yet. So I'm confessing on my own show, which, <laughs> which happens when guests bring shit up. <laughs> like makes me like realize like, okay, Lisa journey, this is your moment to share this shit. So you're talking about the awareness of what our own voice sounds like, which, you know, I know a lot of people don't like the sound of their voice if they hear it recorded and stuff, but I I never really had that. And maybe it's just because from very young, I had heard recordings of my voice and I've always right. done speaking and leading and things like that. But I recently got hearing aids and 
got real about a, a hearing loss that I known that I've had probably for, well, a year and a half ago when my mom was in her end of life, which I didn't know at the time was her end of life process, but it was about seven months before she died. So she was in the hospitals and, and all this kind of stuff. And I went to get my hearing checked because of my dad, because I wanted my dad to get his hearing checked. And I, I kind of knew that I didn't like high pitched noises, high pitched frequencies didn't like agree with me. And I right. was aware that I couldn't hear the beeping on my toaster oven when the toaster, when that was ready. I, it was like a, something that happened like a couple of years ago where Greg and Bella were like, do you know your thing is beeping? Like, why are you not hearing that? But it was like, oh, whatever. You know, I didn't really think about it. So I went to get my hearing checked because I wanted my dad to get his hearing checked. And I found out that I have a high frequency hearing loss, which wow. for those listening just a little bit, I always like to educate a teeny bit. And you probably know this, you know, that hearing loss is usually like is either volume or it's clarity. Right. And clarity is the high frequency hearing loss type that I have. So I don't hear the t and the s and the f mm -hmm. and all these, you know, sounds, which then makes my brain trying too hard to figure out what people are saying and all this kind right. of stuff. Right. So I like lived in my AirPods and so I got away with it for a long time. But whoa. So, so all that to say, so I haven't come out yet about that I'm wearing that I wear hearing aids, which I plan to because I think more people need to talk up younger people need to talk about it and they're really freaking cool and they connect to all my devices and i feel like i have bionic ears you know my, <laughs> my eight-year-old nephew was like i want that <laughs> <laughs> and i am hearing my so bringing back around to i am hearing my own voice differently yes than i had before and that is tripping me out for the first time in my life i am hearing like just even I was thinking about it actually because I'm hearing myself talk to you more clearly and accurately and I have my setup a little bit differently because of this so I can hear you better and 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 even I have tried a few different settings on I'll just call them settings on my hearing aids over the lot it takes your brain about a month to six weeks to sort of adjust but right. I have had some changes so it's a little bit longer like I you know swapped out the device and so then I kind of had to start fresh or whatever. So I keep hearing my voice sounding differently with different settings and different. And it has been really, really interesting to be really aware of the sound of my own voice. Oh my goodness, Lisa. Wow. There's so much to unpack with what you Let's just do it. said. It. <laughs> but, uh, You're the uh, expert. <laughs> this podcast is just for me anyway. No. <laughs> Well, I think so I would love to hear just a little bit like it feels so relevant to what you're sharing. Right. And I think we'll just add a different dimension. I love this. I love, first of all, your courage to make your confession. Thank you. Uh, because it is, it is true. My stepfather had a lot of issues with hearing loss and it caused him quite a bit of shame actually, yes. and had him hiding out for the last latter part of his life. It's really heartbreaking. Yeah. 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 But it is so beautiful what you're saying because of the nature of the adjustments that you have to make because of using different tech and using, you know, your setup is different. You're experiencing your own voice in different ways over and over again and hearing different qualities, different things about it, which I'm sure there was a phase where you were extremely startled. Oh, wow. 
I sound like that? I thought I sounded like this <laughs> or yeah. something like that. Yes. 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 And so, and then it changed again when you changed, you know, you're adjusting your setup or whatever. So the universe gave you this process so that you would continue to accept your voice, love mm. it and accept it, love it and accept it. Ooh, that's me. Oh yes. Okay. That's me. What well, I was different before. No, that's still you. <laughs> and that adjustment is something that we all are dealing with when we're doing speaking, actually, only it's not as conscious that whatever's coming out of our mouth, we're like, oh man, did I mean to say that? Ooh, yep. Nope. There it is. It just in there. It went. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you have to sort of pivot and adjust or someone in the audience, or you get a thought that sort of throws you off. And then, so then you have to pivot and adjust. And so that is what's literally happening with you getting to know and love your voice again in a different way. It's kind of like, I don't have that specific experience, but it was kind of like when I got glasses for the first time. Yes. I was like, wait, you mean those green blobs I've been <laughs> looking at all my life? Are leaves on it because you don't know what you don't know. And we do sort of adjust and accept, well, this is how my voice sounds. And my work is about educating people that, yes, this is how your voice sounds, but your voice is a reflection of your life experiences. And sometimes that can cause what I call like driving with the brakes so that the sound isn't really your natural sound, but it's your sound with the brakes of whatever the trauma was that happened in the past. Ooh, so it's yes. your sound chained, we could say. Oh, that's so powerful. Right. The sound of your voice, but that your voice is locked up. And so what I help people understand and educate them to is the idea that, yes, your voice is your voice is your voice. And we can adjust and change it much in the way you're hearing your voice in a different way, learning how to speak according to the laws of nature with more flow with whatever adjustment needs to be made so that your unique sound then becomes yours again. And we accept and bless it as yours. Some people, that's a huge deal. And they're like, no way, because it's often stronger, more powerful, deeper than they've ever experienced themselves or their voices before. And so at first they reject it. Oh. This is so powerful. I'm so glad that you got a chance early on in our conversation to share about this because it's it's so significant and I and I I know that it's going to be a a nice parallel to have as you we share a little bit more about your story. And I'll get personal again in that my daughter had a leading role in her high school musical her junior year. She's a senior. Yay! And she doing air quotes was is not a singer. You know, like she could sing and act and dance. Dance is her primary. Got it. And she got the lead in Matilda. And so she had the school, which is so, oh my God, this is so great. The school has a voice coach that they allow the leads to utilize. And 
it was an amazing experience for Bella to have this opportunity and to have her to transform her singing voice to something so much. My husband's a singer. I don't have the technical words, but just like fuller, deeper, like more from her belly, like just, you know, more really fully expressed. That's how I I would put it. And that was a really wonderful experience for her to to have then to do solos, you know, on a stage where when she didn't really see herself as a singer. So that was. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Yay. Yay. High school for having a voice coach. Yay, High school. Yes. And shout out to Lynn. Maybe I'll send her this episode. Bella's voice coach who also wound up being much more of a mindset coach and like the everything coach. And that was really priceless. So this is, this is wonderful. This is wonderful. So you resisted, you resisted becoming an opera singer because you're, you were comparing yourself to your mom and felt like you couldn't live up. So um, I imagine there's a turning point. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I went to, well, I always had the ear, right? I decided that what I was going to do was go to France and learn French and become ultimately an ambassador, but work at the UN that that I was going to, because I had the ear for the languages. I already spoke English and French was one of, I don't know if anybody knows this, but it's right now French, English, and Spanish. If you've got those three languages, you can communicate almost anywhere in the world. Somebody's Hmm. got at least one of those languages. And so I had a little Spanish already. So I decided to go to France and I went to France and all I was there for was I was 18 straight out of high school. I went, I went to France. Wow. Yes. And my only focus was learning French and comparative literature and learning how to speak. And I was totally focused on that. And one night (laughs) I went to this amazing bar in Les Halles, which is this cool place in, in Paris. And I was drunk. I was drinking French wine and I was having the best time of my life. And somebody asked me to sing. Wow. And I, I just broke out into song in the bar <laughs> and everybody sort of stopped and looked. And I was hired to sing like from that moment. Wow. I was hired to sing at the American Cathedral in Paris <laughs> in trial by jury. I was the plaintiff and it you know, that was my first real professional gig. Wow. And <laughs> it happened just like that. And somebody in the bar, somebody at the bar was amazing. in the chorus and told <laughs> the director about this. And he had me come in and sing. I mean, you cannot make this stuff up. <laughs> You tried to run from your voice and uh uh I did not. <laughs> I did. And and that's what happened. And I and I thought to myself, wow, I love this. Mm-hmm. And I made the decision to go and study with the best voice teacher I knew, which was my mom. Mm-hmm. And I went back home and I started st- and it was it was not pretty, Lisa. I'm gonna tell you. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how ever your listeners' relationships to their mothers are but they can be tricky sometimes for <laughs> sometimes sure especially be- when it shifts to like a teacher student that's or, right you know like i think about when we were teaching my daughter my daughter to drive and just it's just a whole different 
I mean, that you're fearing for your life, but maybe that wasn't a great example. But <laughs> but I know like when we've had to like help her with math or or even voice, because my husband is a singer and he did, you know, also was part of her her team. It's different. It's definitely different. <laughs> it's very different. And and there were moments, you know, where the lesson ended with me stamping out of the room in tears. And wow. and then my mom sat me down and she said, look, I'm going to have to give you to one of my students. If you can't find a way to when you walk into a session with me, I'm not your mommy anymore. We are professionals. And that was, that was the first time I learned about boundaries and that I get to decide who I am in every moment. Ooh. I felt very much a victim to the temper tantrums. And, and of course, it all stemmed back to I'm not good enough. I'm not as good as you are. No matter what goes on here, I'll never be as good as you are. This basically was the the underlying belief. And so that made the fact that she called me a professional and I, I didn't think of myself that way made me have to step into a, a new role. And from there, things were still tricky, but I was able to deal with them in a different way. And again, years later, I heard about it from her point of view, which of course, how would I know? But at later, probably about maybe five years later, after my career had already started and I was working mostly in Europe and we were having lessons on Skype. Remember Skype? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and she would set me up before all my performances. And I found out I used to come home for sort of a tune up every now and then. And, and I would sit in her lessons with other people. And she, after one of the lessons apologized to me and I said, what are you apologizing? She said, I was harder on you than I was with any other student. And I really want you to forgive me for that because I wanted you to be the best. And I just thought it was the way it was supposed to be. So I really appreciated that. Wow. That says a lot about her too. Yeah. For her to say that in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. So why are you not a professional singer now? Well, I went on to be nominated for two Grammys. I won a bunch of awards. I was singing all over the world Amazing. and literally. Amazing. And I'm trying to think. And you where sung I... for the King of Belgium and the Prince of Monaco. Yes, I did. Amazing. <laughs> yes, I did. That was in Belgium. I was in Liège working at the opera house there. And that was Did you learn they, to speak French, by the way? I did. Okay. I learned to speak <laughs> French. I learned to speak French. And I I I spent three years in France before I came home. And I was dreaming in French. So I'm gonna say it was pretty fluent wow. by the time I left. That's and amazing. and then I brought my focus to my voice and then I love Europe. My friends call me a Europhile. <laughs> <laughs> so the minute I could, I I got, I was, I actually I was hired to work here in New York City at New York City Opera for Porgy and Bess. And then a gentleman who was doing a European tour of Porgy and Bess by Gershwin invited me on his tour. And that's how I got over to Europe. And that's where, why my career ended up in Europe. And I was, I believe I was in Spain 
when I got the call that my mom had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and was given six months to live. Oh, shit. And it was an oh, shit moment. My brain just couldn't understand it, really. And so, you know, I, I canceled everything and flew home. And that was, that was the turning point. You know, at once, those last six months, they were the most painful, excruciating, devastating, blissful, beautiful, peaceful moments. And there was one contract that I couldn't cancel. And it was in Russia. And I knew the time was coming. And, and I said to my mother, I said, look, I am contracted to go to Russia, but I'm just going to, I'm not going because you need me. And I don't care what the ramifications of the contract, you know, whatever you need me, I'm going to, I'm going to. And she said, honey, I raised a singer. <laughs> go sing. Wow. And again, in hindsight, I think it was probably one of those things that she may not have been able to let go if I was there. Yes. And she yes. may not even have been conscious of that. Yes. But there was something that I heard in her voice that I knew that that was the right thing to do. And so I went. And Lisa, I didn't tell anybody. I got the call the morning of my performance. Oh my gosh. And I didn't tell a soul because I knew I would be able to get through it as long as I didn't have to talk about it. Okay. Right. I would be able to just, and the singing was our thing, you know? Right. Like and what, so what? it was just, it was just like, yeah. of course, this is the perfect thing I should be doing today. Yes. Yes. And I did it. And, and I have to say, I've, I've done a lot of performances, but that one was, that took every single bit of my skill and tools and everything. And I came home and that was the last time that I sang in that part of my career as a professional opera singer. And I came home and collapsed. I was I was no good. I was, I went through all the motions, you know, that thing about, and maybe it's the performer in me, you know, all the people, all the, you know, all the details you have to do. I was good. I was fantastic. And then, yeah. And that was about, I don't know, a month of all, you know, all of it. And the, you know, thousands of people, well, hundreds of people came to her, you know, memorial and, and it was, all yeah, of it. You were in like logistical planning, you know, mode. Yeah. Yes. And then I basically collapsed and couldn't function for about a year. Mm. I didn't know who I was. I knew I didn't want to sing and do any singing without her. I was silent. I was, I didn't have anything to sing about. I didn't want to sing without her. I didn't know who I was. You know, I'm an only child and my parents divorced when I was young. And so it was like everything 
that happened in my life, good or bad, all of my life experiences weren't real until I talked to my mother about them and saw that, like saw her reaction and or that look on her face or that look in her eyes. And then it was like, oh, this is really happening. Does that make sense? Totally. Yes, absolutely. My mom was my number one fan. My mom was my number one fan and was, you know, my roadie for a while when I would go and speak places and, you know, and she helped me at my conferences and, you know, you know, that when I did any local speaking, even in the last, you know, few years before she died, she would always come with me. And the event that you and I met at was my first speaking event without her. (gasps) Whoa. Yeah. I'm so glad I was there to hug you for that. I am too. I'm telling you that with hug was, I really needed that hug. Yeah. And I'm so sorry for your loss. Thank you. You know, it's a weird thing to say, but now you're in the club. Yeah, it is a club for sure. For sure. And, and people who are not in the club really just, they, they try to imagine it. They try to get it, but you just don't get it. Unless you're in the club. And I feel like you and I are in a smaller part of the club, like a subset of the club in that we had this really strong connection with our moms, like a really positive and strong connection with our moms. And I feel like that is, you know, in learning more about grief, like everything affects how we grieve, you know, unresolved things, how the person died, like all this, you know, so much. And you know, and my my best friend also lost her mom around the same time that I lost my mom last year. And she, it was a similar thing. And it's just like, a, it's a different, you know, I don't know. It, it just feels like different. I mean, all grief is different, but it, it feels like, you know, when you really feel like that person was so much a part of you and witnessed you. And, you know, I did a healing session recently with Carrie Hummingbird, who was our guest mm. right before you and was also at the conference. And, you know, and she... It was an amazing healing session. She's a powerful shaman. And she said, you're mothering, you're parenting yourself now. You know, you're mothering yourself now. And that's sort of the torch that needs to be passed. And I don't have obviously the same sort of, she was like your mentor in many ways, you know, so I don't have that aspect, but, but just that connection, just the really strong and positive connection. I think creates a unique grieving experience. And by the way, audience, our moms both passed away in May. We discovered that when we were prepping just before we started recording. And we thought that was pretty divinely orchestrated. Because it is we May, are in May. We are, and it is in May. Thank you. <laughs> by the way, yeah, and it is in May. So it'll be my mom's one year anniversary of her transition to Angel on the 27th and for Monique it's the 17th and it's six years this is the sixth year the sixth May I think the other piece is what I'm what I'm trying to express that I think made it a, a little more difficult for me to get over get over as if yeah. we ever do right <laughs> to pick yourself up off the floor <laughs> I had no idea who I was without her. Mm. And I just, I didn't know how to experience myself 
as myself without her. And that took a really, really, really long time. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, we're going on year six. And I feel like this is the first year that I'm starting to realize the flaw in my thinking, which was that I would have to experience myself without her. She's mm. all around me now. She's in me. She's everywhere. She's right here in our conversation with us, Lisa. And, and I think that's something that happens at some point, we stop focusing on the loss yes. of the person and start focusing on the joy and gratitude that we had them. And then all of a sudden we can feel them. Because I used to get so pissed. I was so pissed because my mother was very beloved and she changed a lot of lives through singing and singing lessons. And so, you know, her students would call me and say, oh, my God, I had a dream about your mother and she's right here and she's with me every day. And blah, blah, blah. I wanted to kill all of them. Yes. <laughs> yes. I was pissed because yeah. I was so focused on the loss of her. I couldn't feel her. Mm -hmm. That's such a great lesson for me and I'm sure for many listening. Yes. And so one day I was in bed because I wasn't out of bed much that first year. And I was flipping through Netflix, you know, as like one we does. do. Yes. <laughs> I'm all about the Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> and I came across Tony Robbins' I'm Not Your Guru, his documentary. Yes. And I had been teaching voice to singers. That was how I was making a living, but very, very sparsely and really just just enough to survive. I mean, and 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 one of the things and of course, I apprenticed with my mother. So I, I already had a lot and I had, had my own career. So I, I knew how to do that. And, and but one of the things that is the thing you have to do as someone who is guiding a person back to their voice, back to their instrument, is help them get into the state where their voice can sing or their voice can speak through them and stay out of the way and trying to grip and control it, right? So I was already working on helping people get into the state so that they could sing. And then, you know, and I was a student of Tony Robbins from years ago. And then here comes this documentary. And I, I learned two things that day. The first is that he had a training center where he trained coaches to do what he did, which is a specific kind of coaching called strategic intervention and pattern interrupt. And I signed up hmm. like right there. And the second thing though, was many of you know that Tony Robbins was having a lot of issues with his voice. And at this point he couldn't be on stage for more than an hour and his voice would give out on him. So there was a shot of him doing vocal exercises. Hmm. And it occurred to me, I thought to myself, okay, so that's good information. So whoever he's working with gave him good information, but I'm an opera singer. I'm trained to sing in a theater of a thousand or more with an orchestra of 50 pieces or more with no microphone. Oh my gosh. I did not know that. Right. 
Oh my gosh. Wow. Think about Thank that for a minute. That. I am. That's, <laughs> wow. I had, wow. Wow. You never have a microphone? No. Oh my gosh. I had, did not know that. I mean, if I'm in a stadium of 60,000 people, yes, there's a microphone. But, but the art, the art but, is not. But it. in the theater, we are not miked. Mm. And I thought to myself, I, I know how the voice works and I have better information. Yes. And, and then it occurred to me, what if I get to the next Tony Robbins? What if I get Mm. to the next person with a huge message that can change the world and change the lives of others and teach them how to take care of their voice, how to speak according to the laws of nature, how so that they can speak for as long as they want to and be okay, how to speak when they have laryngitis and how to negotiate that, how to express themselves through their voice. And Lisa, that got me out of bed. That got you out of bed. That got me out of bed. I started to get excited again about what what if, really. Yes, I love it. Such a, such a great testimony for just coaching, too, as a profession. And that possibility got you out of bed. And oh, that's amazing. And when I read, you know, the to- that you were watching a Tony documentary and it, you know, it changed your trajectory. I was curious to hear more. And so it wasn't so much about the content of it, you know, but just these images of him working with voice coach and, you know, and, and about the possibility of helping others and connecting the dots. It sounds like it just connected dots for you. Yes. It connected dots and gave possibility because one of the things that I was watching happen over and over again was experiencing yourself in a certain state as I was and feeling completely helpless and as a victim to the emotion and the grief and then watching him use his strategies and his big heart because he does have a huge heart (laughs) and how he was just in minutes transforming the way people were thinking and I noticed how their voices changed. Yes. It's powerful. Very, very cool. Very, very cool. Oh, my goodness. I just had a thought that I want to talk to you about afterwards. I need to write it down. Okay. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Yay. Okay. So for this final segment, we can share more about kind of, you know, where you are today. Yeah, let's do that. Let's share where you are today. We did talk, you know, some about the expression, your business expression and how it's been impacted by this. Lessons learned, a couple mm-hmm. lessons learned from your journey. And you shared some, but I, I know there's more that really feel like they'll serve listeners. And I feel like you'll just know what to share. Well, I can tell you what happened to me. Let's see, we're Friday. Wednesday morning. Oh, I love fresh things that have just happened. What happened? Just happened. I woke up devastated. I was, you know, as entrepreneurs, we have our ups and downs and we we learn how to ride the roller coaster, but this was a particularly difficult day as an entrepreneur. And I 
was overwhelmed with the feeling of being alone. I'm not married. I don't have kids. And as we've already discussed, my mother was my pretty much my everything. And I woke up with this overwhelming feeling of being completely disconnected and specifically how I have been operating with no safety net and that it feels like I'm just like, you know, if something happens, there's no one, there's no one that will catch me if I fall. Like I don't, and the overwhelming feeling of being an orphan and, and just, I was just right back into that devastating grief and feeling completely abandoned and alone. And it's like, I didn't realize it was May, <laughs> but my body <laughs> knew it was May. Wow. And I'm very grateful that I have a, an amazing woman who is my prayer partner and confidant. And we, we met at a, at an, an abundance, a meeting on growing your abundance. And we were paired at as prayer partners. And that was almost 10 years ago. Wow. And we speak every weekday morning, Wonderful. every weekday morning and hold each other's dreams and, and, and speak the truth for each other. You know, when you that's can't so do it for yourself sometimes. And I couldn't even talk. I mean, I answer the phone because that's our agreement, but I couldn't even talk. And she just, bless her heart, she didn't try to fix me. She didn't try to change anything. She didn't try to talk me out of anything. She was just with me. And when I hung up the phone, what got me out of it, of course, was it was my time to pray for her. Hmm. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, oh, right. So now I had to become empowered. I had to get a hold of myself and remember this is what we do for Right. And I went and I washed my face. I had my breakfast and I came back and my phone on my phone was a message from a woman who was best friends with my mom in college mm -hmm. that I hadn't spoken to in years. And she wrote, I was just thinking about your mother this morning and I wanted to reach out to you and tell you how much Betty meant to me and how much I loved her. And just to let you know, I'm here for you if you need anything. Wow. And Lisa, I, I, I just, I got it again, another sign. She's always there. <laughs> she said, Betty, call my daughter. <laughs> she needs you. <laughs> and she did. And so I got to experience. Oh, not Betty. Your mom, right? No, her name was Maria, but yes, Maria. My mom. Betty uh, said, yeah. Maria, call my daughter. Maria, yes. call my daughter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the lesson is even when it appears that there's no safety net, there's always a safety net always because safety. it's not a person, it's the universe, mm. whatever you believe. It's knowing that. No matter what the outside circumstances are, we're always connected to each other, even though it appears that we're not. Yes. I feel like I've been to church. Oh, this is such a powerful conversation. 
so grateful that you got out of bed and mm. re-entered in this new evolved enlightened more enlightened human spiritual in a human body to share your experience i personally feel very enriched by this time with you and i know it's going to help a lot of our listeners oh thank you thank you thank you for your voice thank you for the ways that you support entrepreneurs and everyone around you i i i can't help i'm just going to tell you that I met you the October after my mom passed away. That's amazing a, to me. I, I know. And and you were busy, you know, doing the event and helping Lisa Sasevich do the event. But there was one moment where you were talking about air wars. Yes. 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 And that about was my, the, my way of talking about the energetic, the inner game, the spiritual, like I just kind of put it all into this thing called air war. Because I was, of course, dealing with, and you, of course, had no idea, but I was dealing with, can I do this? Is this, you know, I was, this was yeah. just, I had just seen the documentary, which is what brought me there. Wow. And you just spent it. I know you don't remember because it couldn't have been more than three minutes, but you grounded me back into my body in that moment. And I never forgot you. Wow. And it's just, I've been on your list, like, and I've been getting emails from you all this time. Wow. And then we met again in January of this year. And I just, I love the universe. I love how I it brings us together over and over again. And the other piece of that is to, you never know who is going to hear you speak one-to-one or one-to-many and what you say will change their lives and more important than what you say who you are and the energy that you're transmitting what that will bring Mm. so thank you thank you lisa journey oh my gosh you're making me cry thank (laughs) you monique mcdonald thank you this was amazing and i'm so happy to have you in my life now in this new way yeah yay! <laughs> bye-bye for now bye-bye was i right do you feel like you've had a like virtual hug received a virtual hug i know i do so if you want to keep in touch with her and receive her gifts there is a link in the show notes to her call to action magic ebook learn to have fun while increasing your income so you want to grab a copy of that and connect with her that way. And also, if you're in the GFR squad, we have a bonus gift from her, which is a training that she did with me on the ABCs of magnetism. And she uses me as a guinea pig a little bit. And it's good stuff. And I had some ahas just listening to her doing the training. So if you have interest in that, join the GFR squad, 20 bucks a month. We hang out once a month on our confession calls and absolutely please follow and or subscribe to the show wherever you're listening to this podcast. If you're listening on my website, go to your podcast app, subscribe to the GFR show so you don't miss any of these inspiring stories that will help you 
make sure that you are playing with your mission full out. Until next time, over and out for now.